This episode of Super Pulp Science has been brought to you by Gear and C, a brand new YA novel set in the Silent Guardians universe, written by Claire C. Marshall. The book is now available at bigcartel.com slash chasing artwork. Attention, citizens. It's time for Super Pulp Science. All right, this is Super Bulb Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. In the last few minutes, uh, we set up for our podcast, and we received from the printer the first box of Gear and C. We have all the other boxes over there. If you look at the studio, you will notice that uh, it's hell in here. We are setting up for Calgary Expo and Regina Fan Expo also, and uh, it's a little bit nuts. So... Uh, you can't see it in the, on the podcast, The Mess. Just imagine the warehouse from Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's our studio right now. I am opening the box of Gear and C. What if it's misprinted? Then this would be embarrassing. Yeah, it will be embarrassing. We didn't open it before we received it, which was a rookie mistake. But since we hadn't oh, done that... Oh, you didn't, you didn't like check the... Check the uh, we should have checked yeah. the box before we accepted shit. That's Okay. Oh my god. I'm sure if there's an issue, they'll take it back. Wait, this isn't our book. Just kidding. This is just packing. This is just packing materials that goes into the book. Yeah. The obesity code was used to pack our uh, book. Nice. Okay. Oh my god. Justin. Uh, Whoa. Oh my goodness. Claire C. Marshall kicks ass. Look at that. Wait, wait, wait. Look at that. Oh, my God. Wow. We done helped produce a novel. Oh, look. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so it's real. Looks pretty good. Oh, look at that. Congrats, guys. That grayscale works pretty good on your thing. All right, now we need to start doodling in them and shipping them out. Oh, man. Can't wait. So if you pre-ordered a copy of this, you'll get one real soon. Okay, let's record a podcast. Let's do it. Okay. We're gonna get back into our podcast. All right. Dun, That's dun, cool. Just your name's Not funny. Uh, okay. And that has actually happened on my uh, on my art book. One of the um, pull quotes. The name was spelt wrong. Oh my goodness. But in uh, in my defense. This was uh, somebody who, on Instagram, they couldn't get like their actual name, so they did like a different version of their name, and that's what I was looking at when I was putting their oh. credentials. So, so spelling because, name right on the internet? Well, <laughs> well yeah. easier said than done. The uh, funny thing about that is the First Imagination Manifesto also has a spelling mistake on the cover in a pull quote from somebody also. No, and, it, and it was a graphic design mistake. It was a rookie mistake from a graphic design point of view. I picked a font. That was like, I think, the wrong kind of font to have as a little pull quote. It wasn't like a really clear, crisp, like, there was not a lot of clarity in it. And so right. the little funny, what's that thing called when there's like a swoop and a dip and the, the serif. The oh. serif stuff. Oh, the, serif. the serif stuff meant that when I was reading it quickly, I thought it was right, but it was in fact wrong. And, uh. that was it. and there's two lessons in there. Number one, uh, bad graphic design. Number two, quickly and cover design aren't a really good combination in general. 
right? Just uh, throwing that out there. How, yeah, but that one was done in, you know, 24 hours? The cover itself, the art maybe was done. Oh, okay. But the actual, like, layered in design, um, Sam had ahead of time, did she not? Uh, you know what? I don't I don't know 100% for sure, so I apologize, Sam, if I'm mis misrepresenting re it. Misrepresenting, but I think she pretty much did it as I was feeding her the final artwork, she was putting it together. So she had like the verbiage put together, but all the design she kind of did on the fly as I was finishing. Right. And then Claire had her, her two cents in there as well. for the Yeah, design. and then yeah. Claire fixed it. Yeah, Claire fixed your mess. Yeah, you can listen to our previous podcast about how Claire fixed our problems. That's right. Um, so a very interesting couple of days, Dan. Okay. Here at the studio. Uh, as I we've mentioned a few times, I don't know what will survive the cut that we are going to Calgary Expo um, tomorrow. Get in the car, drive from 5 a.m. to uh, Calgary. It's all worth it. It is super worth it. But uh, also at the same time, I've been doing um, really long days uh, of rehearsal and illustration and design stuff for Red Earth, our world premiere is May 8th here in Winnipeg and it's been getting a little bit of buzz and like people in the theater community have been coming up and saying like wow what is this this kind of stuff doesn't happen in mm -hmm. in our city or in theater in general and we're just trying to just trying to do right by everyone and give our best and all it takes is like when nobody knows here's a here's a here's my two cents about it when nobody knows what you're doing you can just release it or whatever but when it starts to get some momentum there's this do you ever feel this, guys? Like you have, well, you're running a show. You must feel this, that the expectation now binds you yeah. to your, yes. what's the word, like your responsibility and their expectation. There's like a chain that is between you now. Yeah. Yeah. I got to do it. Yeah. People, people are expecting it. You got to do it. This is not the fire Festival. And you got to do it well. <laughs> Although that right? was actually, that was the problem with the fire Festival. Right. They didn't know when to pull the plug when they should have. But no, now, now I have to, yeah, you have to, you have to deliver on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's also an interesting thing. Same with this book here, which we just unveiled. Um, we'd been talking about how we should do it. We made a plan about how we could do it. Then we, once you had, once we had said, Claire do it she was like okay give me a contract after that was about this time last year wasn't yeah it? we sat down in Calgary and right and then now there's this chain between for us anyway between the expectation like of how it will become real and here we just loaded it off of a truck and now it's real look at that ISBN number <laughs> so pretty um so yeah, I like the ghosting on the back. Now, did you? Let me ask you this: Did you? Did Claire get some shipped to her as well? Yes. Yes. So it wouldn't have made sense to ship it all to Calgary, <laughs> where Claire is. Well, we don't need all of it there. I guess not. So no, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, for the dear listener who's been keeping track of this version of the story, um, when we do book partnerships with people, we offer them the chance to buy into the print run, um, so that they can have a cost per unit cheaper. Cheaper. Yeah. Uh, so that they can sell direct. Now, they don't get royalties off those copies, but they make a lot more than the 10% that royalties normally are. If they're active in the convention community and they're doing a lot of shows, it's a really great deal for them. If they're not, I, you know, we would encourage people not to do that. If you don't do a lot of shows, don't accept books as some sort of payment. But if that's, you do a lot of shows... That's a mistake every, like a lot of people make um, with self-publishing is they do the math in their heads and business-wise, it seems like by far the, the best financial and 
We used to have lots of copies. Lots for of copies, no and money. if we sell these for 20, 25 bucks a book, like we'll make so much money. And even at first, usually when you first come out with that book, you'll be able to move a good amount of copies, like right off the bat. But that burns out very quickly. And if you don't have a distrib, that's that's a very specific vibration pattern you have on your phone. There it was actually speaking of books. That was my uh, the author for my very first book ever. Been trying just to calling it. you now. Just calling me. I'm gonna have to call him back after the podcast. It's bookstorm. Um, <laughs> it's bookstorm today. But a lot of people, yeah, will you know, print two thousand books and they've never moved a book before. And if you don't have a whole bunch of events or ways to move those books, guys, it's really, really hard to move. Even more than five hundred books takes a long time to move if you don't have any experience moving books. Yeah. So and so, be wary. like, uh, maybe an extension of that is understand you know if you don't want to be deceived know what you are hungry for if all you want is to you know if your book is of a quality and you can get it to a publisher and your thought is if i do it myself i'll make more money if that's your real motivation it's not necessarily true keep in mind you need to do what that publisher was going to do that's right but if what you really want to be able to say and do is say, I am an author, I have a book out in stores, I'm working on my next book, I'm not interested in all of the emophoria that goes into selling a thing, then be happy with a traditional contract. You know, I have both, and they're good for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, we've, we've said that before on the podcast, but it bears repeating. I never lost so much as a fingernail flying with you. That's good enough for me. Okay, so Dan, I'm going to turn the tables on you. Okay. We're not the only ones with a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I got a lot of stuff going on. You have a convention. Yes. Um, should we talk about the big convention news before moving on to? I think your we can convention? talk about it. Here's the big convention news, Winnipeg, or non-Winnipegers, because I think everybody in Winnipeg might know about it. Already. Yeah, that's true. Non-Winnipegers is we for many years, uh, more than ten years, have had a local show called the Central Canada Comic Con, which announced yesterday that they would not be holding their event in 2019 so the biggest show of our city is no more um making room for the no more or taking a year hiatus i was a little confused it's unclear i think the hope for that from them from just just from what i've read the hope is that they will be back in 2020 but there's no obviously they're not making any promises right now right um from from what i could tell on there like obviously there's a post on their facebook page you can go look at it it says they had problems with booking the venue um, and rising rental fees and that kind of stuff. So, so it was a lot of logistics where the reason that they did not hold the event is, is at least that's what they're saying. Um, so I don't know how they would solve that next year. Right. Like that's kind of where I'm coming from. But maybe they would be looking at a different venue then. The uh, right. person, like the local community, has been so supportive of the crazy stuff that both Justin and I have been up to. So I'm sad to see that. I, I said go. I actually posted on our fan quest page today that we were, we're very sad to see. C4 have to do this it's it is really a groundbreaking event here in Winnipeg like it was really the first con absolutely that I know of it was Manitoba Comic Con at first and and it was River City Comic Con or whatever mm -hmm. like there was all these different iterations and then they hit the convention center and that was your first uh convention yeah, was it was... yours as well Greg yeah yeah so yeah. both of you first convention you ever tabled at um, and it does so there's a lot of influence there and I think a lot of us it? I used to work for this convention so, so oh, yeah, certainly right. a lot of like um, a lot of us wouldn't be in this position we are at in without without C four. So right. it's not great news, but at the same time, um, I'm trying to get the word out, and many other. I see all these posts this morning from people 
who are all like involved in the community saying, you know, we're very upset about it, but there are other events happening and, the, and there's still a vibrant fan community here in right. Winnipeg. Yeah. So that's been kind of the message I've been seeing this morning. And the mainstream media is, I kind of want to put out a press release or something saying, hey, by the way, there's some other things happening. Because to most mainstream Oh yeah, they're people, like, oh, it's over now. Yeah, it's that's, that's exactly what they're saying. The Comic-Con is not happening. Yeah. And I think a lot of like mainstream kind of the masses out there are not as aware of the smaller ones as maybe they should be, right? Because yeah, right. there's still lots of great events happening. Yeah, well, it would be the equivalent of if they close the concert venue here, right? Like the MTS Center closes, right? It doesn't mean music ends in yeah. Winnipeg. Yeah. It's just like the biggest spot isn't doing it, right? Right. So, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of parallels between the comic book world and the indie band scene also, yeah. right? They build their own fan bases, they visit, they travel. Market they, themselves. They yeah. market themselves, they do all that kind of thing. So... Um, so what are you guys going to do now that weekend? I think we're going to have our own event. I oh. think what we should do is uh, get all the people that are sort of in the inner circle who we know would show up and do a great job and hold a mini event. And like, I don't know, what do you do? Like, do you honor the past event? Right? Like in honor of it? Some kind of thing. That feels like a funeral or a wake. Yeah, maybe we have a funeral. I don't know. They're not dead yet, though. We shouldn't huh? do that. We have a funeral. Premature, I think, a little bit. But I do know that there is enough of us who keep that weekend open. Yes. Right? Agreed. That um, having a great... Yeah. I did talk to... I talked to one person who said he's going to be looking into the Halifax show, because that's the same weekend as C4. He's never been able to go to Halifax because of that it's conflict. It's hard to get into Halifax. Is it? Okay. Yeah, Halifax's a hard one, yeah. Okay. Um, I know he's that's all he said is that he's looking into that but um, but yeah I've spoken to a couple people this morning and yesterday afternoon who said we would love to see something happen um, around that same time and and there, there are you know maybe this is an opportunity to market the smaller events look at you hugging your book um, to market these smaller events to the wider audience that are totally. aware of C4 yeah. They're going to be sitting there in October, going, "What? Where's the? Where's the Comic Con? What's going on?" Yeah. Right. So maybe this is a chance for us to kind of, hey, say, "Hey, there are these other things happening." You know what I think? Who I think is affected the most negative? Okay, no, maybe not the most negatively by this, but I think emotionally the most negatively by it is the huge cosplay community in our city, who uses the Halloween Comic Con uh. ramp up to be like their Christmas. Yes. Right. You Although, almost need to hold a cosplay event. Well, a cosplay event would be great. I would. I think that would be, and also very fitting with Halloween. But um, one thing I find to be interesting is that at first, I believe that was the kind of impetus behind holding C four around Halloween was so that people would dress up. I think the organizers were way aware of cosplay decades ago before it was even really a thing and they're like well people in winnipeg aren't going to do this unless it's yeah. halloween yeah. so they aligned it with that but now you don't need to like yeah. honestly there are so many people who come dressed in cosplay to fan quest to yeah. icon to all these other events that is huge and people will dress up for no reason so you don't need the halloween yeah. um angle but that being said we could use that as the uh, kind of in for this type yeah. of thing it does feel a little bit like uh you know, if you did a show or you did something on the same date or like right around the same time, it does feel a little bit like grief harvesting. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> grief harvesting. Right? Is yeah. that from something? Is that like a reference? It's to a term I've heard in relation to when like a celebrity dies and then suddenly all the artists on the internet post photos of that person in order to oh. make sure they get clicks. Well, isn't it in tribute to that person? Well, uh, yeah. I Some of it. Yeah, but, but I think Stan, some so of it Stan is Lee also... passed away. I saw a bunch of people posting images sure. of Stan Lee. It's still, though, 
if you're doing it on social media and now you got a million new followers or a half or a thousand new followers, you're hard, you're capitalizing on the death of another person. Okay. I think when people like you know uh, Bill Sienkiewicz or whatever he does, he has had a, for years does these memorial photos. He has a tradition of whether you've heard of them or not. He does these drawings of people that he thinks matter who have passed away. A little different than when someone's like, oh man, look at all these people posting pictures of Stan Lee and getting all these new followers and all this new love. I'm going to post a picture of Stan Lee and they quickly bust one out and then throw it up. Uh-huh. I think that's, you know. I don't think that's what, you, that's what we're doing shape. here. We're no, not doing that. We just no. want to have a great event. Yeah. That's always been the goal of FanQuest is to have a great event and we have such a great community here. Well, uh, I wasn't throwing shade on FanQuest, Dad. Oh, you're, I know, I know you're, 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 you're in no, no, June. No, no, no. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying is that people, like, there's going to be a huge hole yeah. in our convention seen here without c4 that we should do something to try and fill that hole and to give people a good event to attend and to have fun and to gather and to celebrate all their fandoms the way they usually do every october i'm quite curious as to um in the the post saying they weren't going to be around this year um there is some other event who has booked the convention center for that weekend which was kind of part of this yes so i wonder what that event it's is. a hr convention oh God. come on <laughs> really? yeah yeah something like that uh, it's like a it's totally a corporate thing the that's... absolute opposite maybe hr stands for halloween revival no we'll be pleasantly surprised a, a halloween <laughs> hr event? how about halloween the movie there you <laughs> go now we're talking there we go oh man so yeah, it is it is a little it's bittersweet. But you know what? It's something we've talked about a lot on the show before. We've prepped for this moment. What happens when the conventions go away? Mm-hmm. Is that right? something you've you've th- talked about? Oh, oh yeah, we talked about lots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, on this podcast? Yes. Oh geez. You, you you edit this podcast. I know. I don't remember. <laughs> right? Well, okay, maybe not a lot. But we've alluded to the fact we've had conversations in the studio a lot about if how tomorrow conventions were no longer a thing. What would you do? Yeah. Yes, okay. yeah, absolutely. Right? And we're holding a box of what would we do right now. Right? Part of, part of diversifying what we do into other areas of fandom is so that you don't rely. Um, it's kind of like people who are really upset when the Instagram algorithm changed. Oh, right? yeah. You never owned Instagram to begin with. Right. So putting all of your faith and hope that this giant free platform would continue to give you an advantage for nothing, like, that's naive. Yes. Right? Yeah, I agree. And so for us to also do that would be naive. To assume that other people will front hundreds of thousands of dollars to bring celebrity guests and huge crowds to cities all over the world, that bubble could burst very quickly mm-hmm. and easily. Right? It's a, it's a thin margin right uh, for those people who are running those shows and if it went away how do we keep doing what we're doing right it's a big component of how we do what we're doing but we did not uh, or are trying not to make it the only thing we do right so and you guys, you, know, do, you guys have a good example of that right there yeah well right gear and c is a good example of that red earth is a good example of that it's a book and a play and that play can now tour all over yeah. and do things um because we have the play we have a script and we have a few drafts of that script so now i can take that to some producer people that i know and see what might happen there um essentially there's this uh, double tasking thing uh going on where let's imagine somebody likes something that we've done in another media and they want to translate it somewhere else we have a lot of examples where we've done that right someone says well have you ever thought about doing animation we have a trailer for Cassian Tonk to show them. Right. Right. Ever thought about doing theater or television? We have short films and a theater production to show them. 
ever thought about wider distribution in the book market? Well, we have books now, and we're talking to distributors about a wider distribution. You're like a couple of gunfighters heading for a showdown. Aren't you curious to know who's best? We should maybe aim for a Cassian Tonk 1.5, like, release party. Oh, yeah. Were you guys planning on doing that anyway? We were planning on doing it uh, once a couple of things were out of the way. Right. Um, but we've been dying to show people this animated trailer, and we're doing a reprint of the book because we have, like, one box of the originals <laughs> left, and we've kind of been holding on to it. Um, so yeah, we need to reprint and we need to reveal a couple things. And with Gear and C out now and uh, Rust and Water we've got. And Dragon Nanny. And Dragon Nanny coming, that might be a great thing. Now, could we do it in such a way where, um, so you're listening to our planning meeting now, dear listener. Yeah. Could we do it in such a way where the crowd could come for free? That would be my, like, the way that you don't turn it into a grief harvest pivot. Is, is by you charging. Say, yeah, right. you don't charge those people to come. So if we did an event where, yeah, we have merch that they can buy if they want, but if we could orchestrate a thing where we could reach out to that community and say, like, you know, cosplayers, come have a cosplay event. You know, people who just want to come and see stuff and be part of the community itself, here's a little presentation we're giving so to you guys. The first floor space in our building, is that... We'd Oops. have enough time, I think, to get the insurance we need. There's that's, we have a space in our building which is used to be used for events, dear listeners, that had some recent issues with that. But we have time to get that organized, I bet. Is that How big is it? Um, 3,000, 4,000 square feet? Something like okay. that, yeah. yeah. Might be a little small for might, what we're might, talking about. Might be small, yeah. <clears throat> especially if we're really going to market it to the, the crowd that usually comes to C4. Um, because, again, we're going to be – this is reaching outside the normal sphere of, of con um, – Community. Everybody who goes to these events on the regular, who goes to all of them, knows everything. They all know about this. They're all talking about it. So we but want to reach that huge the, other. Yeah, percentage. it's like the, the tens of thousands of people who come, who are that's it. They only go to C four. They only know about that one event. Right. And now, now we have to introduce them to all these other great people, and great uh, events, and and artists and vendors. Because a lot of them don't, um, in the couple, last couple of years, I know a lot of the um, local vendors, certainly the ones that are coming to FanQuest, are not, have not been a part of C4. There's Something like this has costs. happened before, though. Um, a couple of years ago, Wizard World bought mm. C4. Is for, that true? Yeah. I, okay, I, was oh, yeah, never, I always heard rumors about that. Yeah, I, never I don't know that. if it's I true. I paid true. for my table true, yeah. through <laughs> Wizard World. Okay. Uh, right? And then Wizard World, like a month before the event, said, we're not doing it. So uh, Wizard World like had my money and said we're not doing the event. So I had to like fight them to get my table money back, basically. And then and you had to buy another table for the actual. Well, and Michael support? stepped in like last minute, like within like a week of them announcing that they weren't doing it. C4 had said we are going to pick up the slack and do it, and it was, but it was like a scary week of like. Is there a show? Isn't is there, there a, a show? show? Yeah. What year was that? It was. It was a couple of years ago. Do you not remember this? I remember. Knowing about it, but I remember that year I booked my table late. So oh. all of that stuff, the wreckage of all of that was what people were talking about, but yeah. it had no effect on me okay. as a he'd, general. He'd already, yeah, that yeah. it already cleared. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Yeah, I, I know. It, well, it had to have been before 2015 because that's when I started getting involved. I in do C4. remember. What I remember is I called the shop and I asked Michael, like, what's going on? Can I get a table? And he said, we already have you down for one because you come every year. So we had you on the map already. And yeah. so I didn't sweat it. That's what came down. Too. Huh. But you're right. There was a kerfuffle. And it makes me um, really sad, too, that we didn't do that smaller show the other week. Yeah. C4 had a small event yes. um, that we usually do, but it's just that we had a, both had so a lot going stuff, yeah. on. 
um, just with like work and social calendar. And it's it was a smaller show, and it's like the first one I think we've like missed in years, a very very long time. I attended it. I brought my kids to it. So yeah, you attended yeah. the one day. Yeah, because I had like three hours I could go to it, but I didn't have forty hours I could spend vending at it. Right. But in, like right. ten years of like C four events, I think I've missed two now. Yeah. And the second one was the last event. That, Bittersweet, if only yeah. I had known. Well, that that one will probably be back. The smaller one, the Manitoba so. yeah. I'm, th- I'm thinking that will be back for yeah. sure. It's just the larger thing that they might have problems with. Um, no loyalty with the convention center too. Like C4 has had that weekend for ten years now, and wouldn't they kind of? Is there no loyalty friendship? Money always wins. Yeah. <laughs> Money always I think. Wins. I think. Uh, okay. So I, and there were a couple of uh, different articles in local media about this. Um, and what they said was, they did talk to somebody at the convention center, and what they said was, you know, we they have they had a tentative booking. Um, the person said that that the C four was having to look at alternate dates. I'm not sure what that means because it's always that same weekend, right. end of October. Um, this this year it's a little bit weird because. Halloween actually falls on a Thursday, I think, this year. So it would have been either the weekend before or the weekend after. Right. Right. Um, but they said they, they did raise the rental rates. And it's just in, in um, because of inflation. That's simply all it is. It, right. It, it costs go up. Yeah. And so that's... The, so there was higher rent mm-hmm. involved. Um, that was one of the reasons C4 gave. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Again, we we don't know the intricacies of this. We don't know the actual. Yeah, there's, there's so much going on. Lots of um, but you guys, um, the other question that's a lot on a lot of people's minds is: Will this open up the opportunity for a larger convention like Fan Expo to come in to Winnipeg? Fan Expo has been sniffing around. I've heard scuttlebutt about Fan Expo being interested in opening a show here in Winnipeg, but also the people who run um, the Halifax Con have been talking about. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Maybe. Uh, could they do a show or could they? So you've never done Halcon. No. But I got to say, the the people involved with that show, um, they're all just delightful. Yeah. It was, it was a great show to do. Everything was um, just, yeah, they, they were great to deal with. Everybody was clear, concise. And the best part was they had, uh, this is a weird thing that I think only vendors will really appreciate. But before the show starts, under your table when you get there are bottled waters that are labeled like Halcon water. That's nice. And every day, like every morning, there'll be two new bottles under your table. So they keep you hydrated the whole weekend. Totally stealing that idea. (laughs) Totally doing that. Isn't that a great idea? That's a great idea. You know what? Um, I've applied to Halcon a couple of times, and their rejections in all cases were like the most measured, pleasant. Like normally, like if you apply and then you just don't hear anything, just never get a response. I would get the. I got these things uh, in all the cases. They were uh, an email that said. uh, unfortunately, you can't. You're not in because we have, uh, you know, there's a big demand, and we have a bunch of people who have work that we think is parallel or similar to yours, that may also be at the show. And our one of our mandates is that we want to keep uh, sort of competition between the vendors to a minimum. And if we've misunderstood what your work is, mm-hmm. we apologize. Right. It was sort of like we think it fits. Some this, people get some people are here. Yeah, and touchy. if we got it wrong, I'm really sorry. But it was, uh, you know, it's, it's a it's the little thing. It's a class act. Yeah, it's a classy thing. So interesting. Um, but obviously they wouldn't be doing that this year. No, uh, nothing is going to happen this year. So and again, we're not sure if C4 is going to come back next year or not. So but. giant Halloween party slash Cassian Tonk trailer. Party. I definitely think there's a potential event hmm. there for sure. We just need to find a venue. 
Uh, it would be great to get all the other con organizers, not just FanQuest, but Icon and PeaCon and um, um, Wild Prairie FurCon. Um, and right. Enercon, that's another one. Transformers. Yeah. I like Enercon. Oh man, yeah. those are so cool. Those Transformers. Yeah. I, I'm first year fan quest. I tried. I mean, I didn't really know a lot about this, but I was trying to partner with them to bring in the Cybertronic Spree. Um, have you guys ever heard of the Cybertronic Spree? Okay, uh, there. I bet, I bet you probably see them at Fan Expo in Toronto if, if you went. Um, I know you guys go, but you're you're working the whole time. Uh, they are a band who does covers of mostly. TV theme songs. Do they do Airwolf? Because I don't know. No, well, house. that's only that's only like a. No, okay, I'm talking about like cartoon TV theme. Like they do the Raccoons theme song, and they do uh, music exclusively from the Transformers 1986 Transformers film soundtrack. So like yeah. you've got the touch, and um, what's the one? My favorite one is uh, Dare. Um, anyway, they, they, they dress up like Transformers. Like they're they're cosplaying as Rodimus Prime and. Okay. <laughs> You're playing Airwolf. I know. This Did they not, play the Airwolf? No, they no, don't. Can they? Nothing. <laughs> Can we take requests? It's a great song. I'm not going to... And that intro is pretty cool. Huh? We should restart Airwolf. I'm sorry to derail you, That's but okay. as soon as you said 80s music... So Cybertronic Spree, and I was in contact with their manager, and uh, it would just prove too costly. There's like nine members of the band. They dress, they, they're seriously, they have like... Um, um, what's, the, what's the girl Transformers name? Um, RC, RC, Rodimus Prime, uh, Unicron. The drummer is Rumble. Um, nice. They have the like uh, the quintesson, like those things that like go oh, innocent. Remember the in the <laughs> their faces rotate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They got one of those oh, guys. Geez. Anyway, they play and they play like songs from the soundtrack. So not only would you have to fly them in, but the amount of luggage well, they would have so to like bring Guar, with them. But exactly. Transformers. And, and yeah, music. actually, the deal was going to be um, it was going to be they were going to part of some of them. We were so nice and so willing to accommodate us. They were like, some of them were going to drive from Toronto, which is insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the rest of them were going to fly. And uh, But they are totally willing to do it because they don't really do a lot of shows. They're starting to do more now, but they're not really well known outside of Toronto. It's just their main kind of area. But uh, talk to the guys at Endercon. We didn't, neither of us had enough money to do it. So that's on a bucket list too for for future year. Maybe to bring this those, is maybe, maybe we could do it. I don't know. So anyway, yeah, I think this is a great idea. We we get together with some of these other organizers and start thinking about. You mean about... the Airwolf reboot? That's that right. That's exactly that's what I'm talking about. I create an Airwolf, and I will destroy her. I don't believe this guy. Airwolf goes back to the womb with a boom. For those of us who aren't familiar with Airwolf, you have the internet. Look up Airwolf and be amazed. I don't. I don't know if I want to. <laughs> you don't know Airwolf. No, I'm not okay. You don't know about Airwolf? Okay. I grew up without TV. First of all, we know what we're going to use as our cuts for this entire episode now, right? <laughs> if Is, it exists online. Oh, it does. Well, episodes of Airwolf. Uh, <laughs> Airwolf was Knight Rider, essentially, but with a helicopter. But the helicopter didn't talk. No, it didn't talk, but it was a super helicopter. Yeah, it was. And there was, like, in the Nevada desert, this secret organization that had a super helicopter that, like, sent its... Um, rescue team out to all kinds of different war zones, which were basically LA every time, but um, dressed up to look like other parts of the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a super helicopter. You didn't know? No. Huh. Airwolf, it's amazing. 
should watch it. Well, actually, it's terrible, but there's... Uh, <laughs> the theme song's but great. But it's 80s the theme, terrible? It's 80s terrible, Which yeah. is its own kind of special. I think Night, Night Rider started a bit of a trend with super vehicles. I think totally. there was that. There was a, uh, was there Night... Remember Night Boat? No, that's a Simpsons thing. Yeah. <laughs> Night Boat! There's always a canal! Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, there was a few super vehicles. Well, the A-Team, all that stuff. Yeah, man. Right? They would build a super vehicle every episode in yes. the A-Team. Yes, um, The General Lee, stuff. right? Yep. And there was a lot of super vehicles in the 80s. You know what it honestly was, I think, is that there was this wealth of really great stunt, practical stunt drivers. Oh, yeah. In the 80s that we don't, I don't think, have as much of. It's not as in demand. Survive the 80s? Well, actually, some of the. I read a book part of uh, related to this because another 80s show I really liked, The Fall Guy, right? Which is about yep. a stuntman, yeah, yep. right, whatever. Uh, there wasn't a lot of unionization or a lot of protection. It was just like, do you know a guy who can roll this car over the bridge? We'll give him money. Yeah, we'll give him some money <laughs> if he'll do it today. And then they would do it. And sometimes they'd get hurt. And they'd be like, oh, sorry. Well, we did pay you. And you signed a thing saying you'd do it, right? <laughs> so um, it's dangerous. Your life is literally on the line as a stunt person. So That's true. I think it's a little different. Um, that Quentin Tarantino movie, Death Proof. Yes. Apparently... Um, the internet can correct my facts here, but I think it's a whole bunch of 80 stunt drivers that they brought in as the oversight on all of those. Because all those effects were practical. They were all real cars driving at real speeds, doing real stunts. Crazy. Right? Which is why the actress was also a stunt performer. Like, that was her main thing. Uh, Zoe Bell. Yeah. Yeah, she's really? like a famous stunt act. Oh, like I she's didn't a, know that. Yeah, stunt double. So that's she's really awesome. her on the I cover like of that car traveling at like 60 miles an oh hour. Right? Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Wow, we've ranged all over. Yeah. What? Um, so you guys are getting ready for Calgary. You are like, honestly, you're in a, so you're packing up to go. Uline is coming to pick up your stuff. No, they no. dropped it off. Oh, that's, sorry, that's, okay. Yeah, then we pick it, then we have to take it. Okay, so you guys are getting packed up, ready to go, driving out there. Um, what's next after Calgary? Regina. Okay. Regina, and then I go to Ottawa. And then I come back to do Red Earth. Are you going to Ottawa as well? No, because no, Redder. What's in Ottawa? Just Ottawa Comic Con? The Ottawa Comic Con. Um, and then after that, I go back to Calgary for their anime show, uh, Odafest. Oh, Which cool. is, uh, I've done three years now. They actually brought me out as a guest the first year. It was the first time I've ever been invited to a show as a, a featured guest. Um, I really like it. I like Calgary. Got some good friends there. So. And then the mm -hmm. end of May, I'm at a literary festival in Montreal. Mm -hmm. I'm a guest of a like lit festival. The name escapes me. Um, I just said yes. <laughs> and so they're bringing me up. Uh, no, what it comes down to is uh, 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 my, uh, the publisher Portage in Maine uh, has a good relationship with this festival, and we do a bunch of books related to um, uh, indigenous representation. Right. And even though I am not an indigenous creator, um, I think that's part of the conversation that they want to have circling around reconciliation is, you know. But you have, you have contributed to a lot of books. That yeah, a whole bunch. That, yeah, 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 a whole good bunch. Good Boys and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. well, Good Boys isn't one of those, but uh, oh. I did some work for Moonshot. I did some work for This Place. I did uh, work on Will I See. Um, I did work on... Uh, there's two other ones, names escape me, some anthologies. And they, you know, it's interesting because as a non-Indigenous person working in that realm, I said this uh, recently in an interview, it feels like I am privy to a secret history of Canada, right? Like there are all these things that are not in our 
not in the westernized history books that right. were taught to me as a young person that I'm now getting the full side of the story and that you know is quite it's sobering that's actually but it's actually good they're, they're actually teaching that to kids now so our kids are learning about that yeah. in school which is really great yeah uh, they're learning about reconciliation and about all, all kinds of stuff so I'm very happy to hear that the history is being taught differently now yeah in schools and you guys are helping out with that with all these graphic novels that you're making and that kind of yeah, stuff right that's trying, part of it and we're trying our best yeah just trying our best. The other big thing when we get back from Regina, we're going to clean the studio. <laughs> cool. It's a Does disaster it right now. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, if you get super busy and you have a studio, like the, the real benefit to the studio, Dan, is that you can leave your mess in progress. You don't have to clean it up. Like why having a workspace out of your home space is good is that when life comes back, you can leave the work you're doing, go to life, and then come back and resume work right. already in progress. Yeah. So you guys can leave this place a mess. Nobody's yeah. going to be here. Nobody's going to care. Right. And uh, it's not back. like your your family's in there. What the heck's going on here? And they're getting right. mad at you for leaving so all your boxes. So there's still detritus from Baby Metal in the studio because I because I, I uh, you know like all the leftover bits that yeah, you make yeah, along yeah, the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is still in the studio. A bunch of Baby Metal commissions are all still scattered around the studio. Uh, the stuff for Red Earth is here. The stuff for uh, this place is all here. Like we just kept jumping. How much of this mess is yours and how much is Justin's? It's pretty even. Is it? Okay. I'd say. I'm just noticing like It's almost like eh, half yeah. this half is me and Yeah. Like, okay. This is actually, a meridian, yeah. Yeah, I might I might be sixty percent. <laughs> this time, yeah, yeah. This time, yeah. Well, but it waxes in, and wanes. I'm doing something a little different for Calgary this year. I have two tables. I have mm. one in the vendors and I have one table in the artist alley. And I have such a portfolio at this point that the the table at Artist Alley will have all my older greatest hits, and the table in the other hall is just going to have my new current portfolio. So in prep for this, I basically gutted the back storage room of all my old stuff and did a, a sort, which it hadn't been sorted in a long time, and kind of packaged up a show of all this old work that hadn't seen the, the light of day in a long time. It's kind of a last chance for people, too. Like, he has, Justin produces so much work um and has people who you know are interested in getting that new work so you end up with this back catalog of stuff right you, you can't just bring can't, it everywhere. can't bring yeah, it everywhere too much. but because calgary is a show we drive to mm -hmm. right it behooves us to bring more than maybe we need mm -hmm. you just bring it back yeah because you okay. can drive it back i hope there's not much to bring back it's yeah that's exactly the it. plan find out what they really got i knew it I knew it. You just couldn't resist it. I feel like I can make an announcement here on this podcast as far as a new guest for FanQuest that I can just cut out afterwards <laughs> if it doesn't work out. But I'm pretty confident by the time this, this episode is posted, we will have confirmed Mpokwaho, uh, otherwise known as Ken from Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Uh, for those who have, have you seen the, the series, this is, of course, the newer series that's on Netflix. Um, he plays, uh, he's kind of like... Um, Kind of, he's along with Bart, uh, played Bart by. Bart and Ken are my favorite part. Of it's first just, season. it's such a great. So, so Bart is of course the anti jerk gently, and she causes chaos. She's and, a holistic assassin, right? Yeah. And then Ken come, kind of come, partners up her, with her in season one. He's like a computer guy who gets involved somehow. I don't remember what how he gets he involved. He was working for the bad guys, and she couldn't kill him, and she was re like very perplexed by why she couldn't kill him because she can kill everybody, right? And but for some reason she. She well, she's Ken a holistic and, assassin, yeah, and his character, him. and so anyone she meets should he's die. Yeah, yeah, should die, right. and so she can kill them under all these circumstances, but he can't die. That means he must, therefore, 
be good. And then he goes on to have a bigger role in season two. I really like that arc. I haven't seen it. Don't spoil it. Okay, well, it's it's really interesting what they do with him. Um, so he is coming to FanQuest. Uh, he is, uh, you know, we always try to bring in an actor, at least one actor who is known from something. Now, we can't afford huge stars, right. but he has done a lot of great uh, work here. He's on Dirk Gently. He was on The Expanse. Um, I think season two, I can't remember. He was one of the Martian troopers. Um, if you've watched The Expanse, there's the character of Bobby, who's like the Martian soldier, and she's part of his her squad. He's part of her squad. One of the things that you guys do differently at FanQuest, though, is, and why it's kind of good to have guests that don't need an entire entourage to come with them is that you give people access to having conversations and meet and greets and you know like there's there's more conversation so like if you're a person who wants to know what that job is really like FanQuest is a cool place to come and talk to people who are actually doing that job you know like um talking to Jason Momoa about how to be a giant famous person is not as useful to a person who's trying to break into the industry as someone who is a supporting cast member because they literally are the people who are doing it as a regular day. But they also get to work with a lot of great people. Like, yeah. like uh, he is, Mopo has worked with, um, he was actually here shooting Gnomus uh, with uh, oh, yeah, yeah, with yeah. Um, what's his name Henry Cavill was yeah. here so he's worked with him he's worked with Mark Wahlberg he's worked with a bunch of different um, people um, he was also in mm. I'm trying to look at some other stuff Falling Skies mm. which is a TV miniseries I like that show. it was oh. a Spielberg produced series about alien invasion um, I remember that yeah he's been in a ton of stuff Goosebumps oh Goosebumps <laughs> it's going back it's going back to 1998 say which episode I'm uh, gonna get awesome a goose- awesome ants. Awesome. That's yes. the episode. I don't think I read that. Okay, one. Down in the Delta was his big breakthrough, which is a really good um, film in the late '90s. So he's had a lot of great work, and he continues to work, which is also why we want to bring him in because we want to bring in people I mean, who right? are still actively working in the field, and yeah. especially ones who who focus on fandom-related uh, properties like The Expanse and like Dirk Gently. So we're very excited to have him. We're gonna have a lot of fun. He's gonna have a lot of fun. So um, come down to FanQuest and meet him. This has been Super Pulp Science, where we've talked about uh, our new books, our future books, our past books, our past mistakes, our future mistakes, and our hopes and dreams. Um, I hope that you will take some of that uh, on your journey as you join the fight and make comics.